0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. This week, we are talking about Westworld, Season 2, Episode 5. Um, and today, we have Maggie, Anna and Gerald, and Darren, which is who's me. And as usual, this is a full spoilers podcast, so we're just going to get right into it. Hi, everybody. Okay. Hi. Um, okay, so let's let let's um let's start by going around the table and um getting everybody's kind of impressions on this week's episode this week uh in that's been based in Shogun World. Um, who wants to start?
1: I'll start. Um, yeah, it was it was really great to finally see Shogun World, and parts of it were fantastic. So as soon as they walked um, into Shogun World, and you see the scene with the two children placing the little creature on the guy's head, I immediately recognised that as a scene from Westworld. Um, and then to just see the the whole um, heist play out, but um, with these with these Japanese characters, was so awesome. And it was so much more exciting watching it with both and arrows as well and to sort of see um, Maeve's shock and Hector's shock it was was really awesome so that was great but I think I was getting to a point where I was wondering if it was just a little bit too slow, like there was just too much going on there, which I guess they had to do to, to establish that world and to establish those characters. But it did feel like we got really sort of held up there, and I really had to think about, well, where did we, what, what did we get out of this episode? And I guess we did get more than I initially realised. So overall, I'm happy with the episode.
2: Jazz, okay, I thought this was just a table setting episode in the sense that we just got a couple of transitions without really advancing the plot too far. I think. Uh, what exactly did we learn? We learned that uh, Maeve is developing superpowers while she's in Shogun World. We learned that uh, uh, Dolores is um, now in the process of changing Teddy's personality so that he becomes a total shit. Um, and besides I'm not sure, we, we we learned a great deal. I think what this episode reveals is, is, is a slight problem with the structure of the show as it goes forward. And if I can be permitted just to draw a comparison with Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, there are about six or seven plot lines, and each episode devotes some time to all of them. Now we have in Westworld four or five plot lines running at the same time, but um, each episode will be devoted to only about two or three of them at any one time. And so um, we have, you know, not much story filling out a fair amount of time, and I just wonder whether we're in we're seeing a bit of mid-season filler with this episode so Mm. i know anna just said she found the episode more satisfying in retrospect than at the time whilst watching it but i think in the end i wasn't entirely satisfied by this episode not and that's despite the fact that it it was pretty stylish
0: Mm. Mm. well jez you've Satisfied your Game oh. of Thrones quota. Every episode we've talked about Westworld, you've <laughs> talked about Game of Thrones as well. <laughs> so let's let's make sure you talk about Game of Thrones every week.
2: Um, Max, does anyone, does anyone <laughs> sense that I'm, I'm you know I'm feeling there's a void in my life? <laughs> yeah, I'm, feel- I, I, I'm definitely <laughs> sensing that, Jerry.
0: <laughs> Mags, what, what are your sort of general thoughts on the episode?
3: Uh, Well, I really enjoyed um, the episode as a standalone episode. I thought they um, lovingly crafted this um, shogun world in a kind of homage to the Japanese samurai movies. I thought that um, was really well done in terms of world building. Similar views to Gerald and Ananda about um, what the purpose of this episode was um, overall. Um, And I thought in terms of sort of character development, it seemed more as a device to contrast between uh, Maeve and Dolores and and the ways in which that they're pursuing their own individual goals and how Mm -hmm. that um, contributes to, I guess, that overall objective about what what, um, happens to the hosts and what their destiny
0: is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I'd I'd agree with... Look, I I think I agree with pretty much everyone's points, um, by and large. Um, I I kind of felt that this week, um, it it didn't feel as hefty as um, last week's episode. And I think it was because last week's episode was thematically really important for the show, right? Like, you know, it talked about really weighty weighty themes like creation god the devil all this type of stuff right and this week Hmm. it was not thematically as weighty it was more a character driven plot driven um episode it was you know kind of focused on Maeve and her character and um building the characters of Dolores and Maeve so I kind of felt like some of that heft was lost because it wasn't like a traditionally thematically heavy Westworld episode um so I absolutely get everybody's view that it kind of feels a little bit like filler as a result. Um, I think the other thing, though, for me is that... Look, I, I, to be honest, I I enjoyed the episode. I, I think I'm lying... Like I'm kind of falling more on Mags' view, which is that as a sort of fun little detour, it was a pretty fun little detour. And, like, for me, I kind of saw it as... Even as a fun detour, as an episode, I thought it was really... Like, on reflection, it was quite well-crafted, right? Because in some ways, this episode was just about... It was like compare and contrast the episode, right? So, within the... Within the Maeve story, you have the compare and contrast between Shogun World and Westworld. And then on a larger level, you have the compare and contrast between Maeve and Dolores, right? So I kind of felt Mm -hmm. like, you know, they're kind of thinking about how to structure this stuff. And there is like, you know, for an episode that's about parallels, the episode itself is paralleling each other. It's quite a nice little conceit that they're running throughout the episode. So, you know, look, it wasn't the heftiest of Westworld episodes, but I personally, uh, I still, I thought it was fun, right? I agree. It's not going to be like the Westworld episode that everyone remembers. So.
1: Well, when you, when you look back on it, there, there's more stuff happens than you realize. Like, as Like I said, with character development, and Maeve, you know, she strengthens that view that there are some things that are more important than freedom and really sort of um sort of forges this bond and friendship with Akura which does um you know contrast so much with Dolores's um sort of attitudes. And then her powers grow and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Mm. Um, and then you, you see character development for Size more too, I think, because you really see like first of all he's impressed by Maeve's new powers, but he's also really um impressed by is it Akura? Am I saying her name?
0: What's, Akane. What's the name uh, of which one? Akane. Akane. Akane.
1: Oh. Yeah. She, yeah. He, he's really impressed by Akane when impressed by her composure when she loses um, her daughter figure and impressed by how she can do that dance with like such composure and you know you can see that on his face um, and of course he's had he 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 found a radio on this episode so he's got he's going to have the ability to betray um, Maeve at some point and I think it'll be this is part of his development arc and we'll you know we'll find out is he going to actually betray her is he going to betray her but then feel upset about it because he Come to care about her. Um, you know, Dolores. She goes full Delos on Teddy. This episode, um, we find out what what's going on in her mind. You know, she sees kindness as weakness, as a virus. You know, kindness equals weakness. Weakness is a virus. It needs to be killed out. In terms of plot development, you know, you've got the humans. They've, they've gathered the hosts inside their little headquarters. Um, is this like a Trojan horse set up? You know, the hosts are now inside. They've gone from the lake to inside the main sort of um, human headquarter area, which I can't remember what it's called. Um, we found out that one third of the hosts have um, their brains wiped out. So we need to figure out what's going on there. We find out more about Dolores' plan. We know that it involves a train. Teddy, as we know him, is gone, you know? So, stuff happened.
0: Yeah, this is true. This is is true. (laughs) This is true. Stuff, look, I mean, I think every episode, like, stuff happens. I think, yeah, I think I was just trying to understand why it is that all of us felt it was less hefty than usual. And I I think it's just because, usually, Westworld is so dense, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. Yeah.
3: Mm. We can't, I think we have to remember as well that – I can't remember his name. Gerald will know, but Floki. Um, at the Carl Strand. Of, <laughs> Carl that's Stran. it. Carl Strand. <laughs> Carl Strand, sorry. At the beginning of the episode, he does say what we've all been thinking, which is, you know, this all these disparate threads, how do mm-hmm. they fit together? Uh, once we find that out, then the story will um, unfold by itself. So it's almost like that's a signal of this is the halfway point for the season. This is the point where all those threads are going to start to, you know, come together. So maybe this is the episode where they've, the last episode where, um, the writers thought, Oh oh no, anything else that we want to add to this, we better do it now.
0: Mm, (laughs) mm, mm. Okay. So I think the next point that I wanted to talk about, um, was just general thoughts on Shogun world. Um, I thought that, as an idea, Shogun World was really interesting, and um, as Mag said, I I thought it was, like, quite well realised as well. I mean, the sets, the costumes, the music in particular, um, it's just really well done, right? Like, the way they Mm -hmm. kind of, like... You know, they've got... I think they had... um, Gerald would know this better than me, but was it The Doors? Like, was it Painted Black? I don't know. Maybe. It was like... It felt like there was kind of familiar music that was sort of remixed in this Japanese, um, with this Japanese sensibility, and, you know, that with, you know, this overarching sort of parallel where everything that is happening in sort of Shogun World is like this weird analog of Westworld. I, I thought that was really cool. But for me, what I really loved about Shogun World from a character perspective is that, I felt like when the characters go into Shogun World, Maeve, Hector, Armistice, right? The hosts, right? The hosts kind of in Shogun World kind of have their first experience of what it's actually like to be guests, almost, right? And you can sense, like, they have that sense of wonder and... um, like mm-hmm. it, it, So, I, I thought that from a character development perspective, especially for Maeve, it was, Shogun World was kind of important because it kind of helped her understand what it's kind of like on the other side of the ledger. Obviously, she's never going to see Shogun World in exactly the same way as, um, I guess, someone like Sizemore or just a sort of normal human guest, right? But you do get that sort of sense of, oh my god, this is really different and weird and, like, wonderful in some ways. And so I thought that was really cool about Shogun World. Um, does anybody have any oth- other thoughts on that?
2: I just want to give a shout-out to what I thought was the moment of the episode, and that's when Sylvester asks Felix why oh, yes. he can't <laughs> sell <self-capitalism> some <laughs> and Felix says, I'm Hong Kong asshole. <laughs> um, that, I thought, was the, uh, was the sort of comic highlight of the episode. Um, look, I think Shogun World is, was very stylishly uh, and interestingly realized, and and to to pick up on something that you just said, Daz, it's almost as if the the theme of this episode is um, creating facsimiles. So we know that Westworld is a facsimile of the real West, and Shogun World is sort of a facsimile of Westworld in the sense that so so much of the Um, Story arcs of all the various characters in um, Shogun World were ripped off from Westworld, as Maeve observes um, and calls out uh, Sizemore on. Hmm. Uh, And so it seems as if the show is just running for a moment with the idea of... Uh, creating copies or facsimiles of other things. Mm. Uh, and that then connects this episode with the story of Delos and repeated multiple copies of Delos being created. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I'm still not sure what exactly the show has to say about that at this point, but it's certainly the case, I think, that um, the the themes of creating facsimiles and replication um, are constantly being toyed with, um, at least at this point in the season.
0: Mm. Yeah. Can, uh,
2: n- can I? Yep, Mags, go.
3: I was just going to say, just to pick up on that point that Gerald just made as well, I think it's, it's almost like even if you do try, the, the, the message might be, even if you do try to create a copy, it's never going to be an exact copy. Every copy is actually the birth of a new life. Um, and you kind of see that in, you know, Akane, who is meant to be, you know, Maeve in the Shogun world, but her love for um, Sakura is similar to but different from um, Maeve's love for her daughter, um, and the way in which it plays out, um, you know. Uh, Maeve compliments Akane for her love but she also realises that what drives Akane is at the end fundamentally different from what drives her
0: Yes. Um, yes. Agreed. and
3: I, th- I, think, I think that's actually quite important because the, the contrast to Delos is Delos is trying to replicate himself completely as if he had never died and it's not as if he's trying to create a new life Um, He's trying to um, prolong his own existing life. I think that's the difference Mm. um, between, you know, what Shogun Will represents versus what Delos represents.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Let's not forget forget that um, in Westworld, in Sweetwater, when Maeve is playing the madam at the brothel slash saloon, she's not a mother and she doesn't, Harbor any sort of maternal sentiments, no, no. Uh, except for except for deep in her unconscious, where, when when her memories are meant to be wiped but are still there. Whereas Akane is very much a mother in, in Shogun world, um, in her current incarnation as as the madam. So um, there's there are no neat and precise parallels between the two of them. So even though you have replication and duplication, um, there are differences creeping in.
0: Yeah, it's it's mm. kind of like the theme is almost same-same but different, right? Um, yeah. So, I mean, and I think the most... Like, in my mind, um, the most telling sort of same-same-it's-different sort of moment in the episode is when Maeve is trying to enlighten Akane. You know there's the moment when she's tapping into mm. her Matrix powers, right? And Akane actually stops her and says... You know what? This this is really not for me, and it, it's kind it kind of shows that even though they are very similar in some ways, you know that they're very resourceful, very protective, um, you know, um, sort of very strong women. There is a fundamental difference because Maeve is ultimately more curious and, you know, willing to explore her curiosity to like to to their to their logical ends, I guess. While for mm-hmm. Akane, she's she's almost like, well, you know, there's a limit to where I kind of want to go with that. You know, I, I don't really want to be taken into this crazy world that you guys are living in. I'm happy with the world that I'm kind of inhabiting right now. So, I mean, it's it kind of plays to this idea of same, same but different. Yeah.
1: And that also highlights the difference between Maeve and Dolores, where Maeve will sort of accept that Akani doesn't want to go there. She doesn't want to know the truth, whereas Dolores is going to force Teddy to see it and force everybody to see it. And if he won't see it enough and change enough, then she'll force that as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I I want to talk about that a little bit more deeply um, later on. Um, But... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That parallel between... Well, the differences between Maeve and Dolores are really apparent um, in this episode. Um, mm. So, if, if we keep moving on, let's have a quick chat about Maeve and her powers. How did we all feel that that was... Firstly, do we kind of like that, the fact that she's super powerful now? And secondly, did we like the way that actually played out, like how she received those powers. Um, Mags? So
1: one you... thing... Oh, there. go, go ahead, Mags. Oh, no,
3: no, no. Um, oh, uh, I, um, on the one hand, I thought it was really interesting that Maeve all of a sudden acquired these powers, but on the other hand, it kind of felt a bit gimmicky mm. and quite sudden, and I wasn't really sure... Um, what the purpose was of her suddenly being able to tap into the matrix and go into the back end, um, whether or not it was just a plot device um, or whether or not it's meant to serve um, um, a deeper purpose in in the episode. What do you think, Anija? All I can say about it
1: is there's an obvious – so Maeve now has the the powers that we've only seen ford exercise before so i think we have seen ford ex- exercise um nonverbal control over the hosts and we haven't seen anybody else exercise that so i don't know if this is meant to symbolize you know a a transfer from the old god to the new god or I don't know why she has this and no one else has this. Um, is it because she's the only one who's actually got free will and who's truly aware um, and therefore she can tap into this sort of telepathic um, connection between herself and all the other hosts? I don't know what the explanation for it is but I don't like it. I don't like it because it gives her too much power And then I'm forced to constantly be asking myself things like, why isn't she using that power to just, you know, get everything her way right now? Like she knew she had that power, why didn't she use it sooner? You know, why did she wait till, um, you know, there were knives at her throats before using it? And going forward, if she's unlimited in power, it it takes—it's just not as interesting. Um, And. Yeah, I'm just worried that I'm going to get frustrated that the power doesn't make sense because it gives her too much power and I, I just don't know what they're going to do with it, really. Um,
2: yeah. Gerald? Yeah, I, I that's, that's the problem with this particular power. We the, the show hasn't done a particularly good job of explaining what the rules of it are. So, uh, for instance, why doesn't she deploy it when they first turn up at the Shogun's camp? Why do we have to wait to see the Shogun... Kill Sakura uh, and Akane, go through the long dance leading up to the Shogun's very violent death. Before um, Maeve whips out this power, what is going on there? Is it is, is it a power? Is it a power that only emerges when she is under mortal threat? Um, if so, why? Uh, I think I think the show hasn't made any of that clear at all, um, okay. which is which added to the frustration of the episode for me.
0: Yes, so I was really frustrated by that, right? Because she is there, like, mourning the death of Sakura with Akane. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you. Your fault. <laughs> well, more than that, you could probably just resurrect her right now, right? We've seen hosts, like, getting stabbed. It's not like her brain unit got it's destroyed. All
1: real death.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on here, right? Why are we mourning? Because. No one is really dead in Westworld, and she knows yeah. it. <laughs> like it yeah. yeah. It was just... That was weird for me. And, look, I, I absolutely agree with you, Anja. Like, um, yes, this power is really undefined, but at the same time, I liked Maeve earlier this season because at the end of last season, it seemed like Maeve had ultimate power, right? Because... You know, she was just going around controlling hosts and people, and she was just walking out of there, right? And then this season kind of scaled it back, you know, because hosts are malfunctioning, they don't really understand her commands, and they scaled back her power level. And I like that, because it made her more resourceful, right? She had to rely on other stuff. Yeah, like, she had to rely on her friends and forge out, like, alliances and that sort of thing. I'm like, that's cool, but now, all of a sudden, she's got this power where, like, she doesn't really need anybody now. She can just, like, enter the Matrix and just control. <laughs> anyway, i got to say, the whole, that whole power and the way she acquires it as well, I felt it was really clumsily done. And I felt mm-hmm. that, like, unusually clumsy for a show like Westworld, right? So, yeah, I definitely, yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed with that for sure.
2: Yeah. But, I mean, are we supposed to take from this, um, well, we know that the show for the first couple of episodes this season has set um, Dolores up in uh, a lot of messianic imagery, and but the, the really messianic figure might in fact be Maeve who has these powers, so um, is the show telling us now that Dolores is a false messiah? In comparison with Maeve's trim side, given that Maeve has acquired these powers, if so, um, I still don't see what the point of that is. I mean, uh, it, it just seems—it just seems to me that this aspect of, of the Maeve story um, is is just a bit is just a bit gimmicky. And the fact that we we stop at halfway as she grabs a katana whilst uh, a, a, a marauding band of samurai head towards her um, just. I think, added to the sense of, you know, this lack of fulfilment in this episode.
0: Yeah, because if you think about it, like, even if they're going for her being the true messianic character, she doesn't really need the enter- like the Matrix powers for that, right? Like, it's... I mean, the show is already doing a very good job portraying Dolores as, like, a psycho and Maeve as, like, a much more sympathetic, practical individual right like um, I mean it's very clear that Maeve is really going to be the only character that like I mean she's developing relationships with humans she's just not executing them flat out right so you know like in terms of like building contrast between messiahs and sort of um, building I guess um, legitimacy I think they're kind of already doing that even without the superpowers so yeah it's it, it's kind of a weird one for me um. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, let's let's move on then. Let's have a chat about um, Dolores, shall we? Um. So this week, as Anna just said earlier, Dolores kind of. I mean, do we feel like this is really Dolores? Because she is really brutal this week, and quite. I mean, she's just. She's just become this incredibly ruthless, um, ruthless character. And if I think back on it, like, I mean, that character change feels a little bit, feels a little bit odd. Like, am I the only one who kind of feels like her level of brutality this week was a little bit odd?
3: It what's, seems
1: what's... consistent to me. Um, you know, she did slaughter all of those people in the, um, you know, the the, the army. Um, mm, yeah,
0: that? that's
1: true. That okay. so I, I think it's consistent. Also... I, I think you do see her struggle with the two sides of her because she hears Teddy out. She hears what he would do. She, she tells him, I'll think about that. Um, she has that night where they have, you know, they make um, she, love. <laughs> she, um, she tells Teddy, look, she says, look, I have been questioning my feelings for you, which is true, right? And she's thought about it and she realizes that even though it was a script, it was also real, like they, they did actually go through that and those feelings are there, whether it was scripted or not. So I feel like she thought it out, and yet this this part of her that's been so brutalized and so traumatized, she hasn't been able to let it go, it's, it's turned into an extreme anger and rage and fear, and as far as she's concerned, there's only one way. Um, Kindness is weakness and weakness is like a virus that will spread and will infect the other people in her group and that will bring them down. And so she has to wipe it out. She has to make that sacrifice and she has to wipe out Teddy. So I don't think it's like I I think it's I I can understand why she is where she is. And I think it is consistent with the person she's been this season. Um, Yeah, that's what I'd say about that. Gerald?
2: Yeah, I think it is consistent I just I'm just not sure it's very interesting at least at this point mm-hmm. I mean there's nothing in this episode that 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 extends her character beyond what we already know about her this season we know this season that she is ruthless we know this season that she is hell-bent on wreaking vengeance on humanity we know that she is being um, that she set a test for Teddy the last time we saw the two of them that he failed and she sort of Walked off with an expression of disgust on her face. So we know all that about it. We know that she, re- we kn- we already knew that she regards Teddy's kindness as weakness, um, and the fact that she uh, changed his personality this week does no more than you know see her you know acting on her beliefs. But it doesn't actually take her character very much further in circumstances where that character, as it is ruthless, Dolores, isn't particularly interesting. There's no sense of struggle with her. I mean, no, I mean, she, she says there's a struggle. She says there's a struggle when she says that, you know, she thought about her feelings for Teddy, and for a brief moment she sounded like the Bachelorette about to refuse Teddy <laughs> the final. But, I mean, despite that, I just thought, no, this is, this, this is the same note being hit over and over again with Dolores, and it's just getting a bit dreary.
0: Yeah, I, I would... I would tend to agree with that. I, I think one of one of my issues with Dolores this season is that she's no longer as interesting because, well, I mean, like for me, the only real interesting thing about Dolores this season is that is she actually still just on the rails, and is she just playing this white personality, or is it actually really this is the sort of merged Dolores-White character that's coming out, right? I'm I'm still not sure about that, but part of me doesn't really care as much <laughs> anymore <laughs> either, right? Um, I think um, it's... I mean, for me, this episode, like Dolores' story this episode, um, is important from a plot perspective because it obviously brings up questions about what she did with Teddy. But... Um, I guess also it was probably more, and I think we touched on this earlier already, like the compare and contrast with Maeve, because the big thing for me is that I'm not sure I agree with this idea that Dolores feels that what she experienced with Teddy is 100% real or um, has depth, I guess, right? Because, I mean, I guess, oh I don't know, maybe maybe it does, but... I mean, the contrast there is basically that you have a situation with Maeve where she knows that it's not like a lot of the situations she gets put in are not necessarily real in the sense that, you know, there's sort of storylines and that sort of thing. But um, I guess from Maeve's perspective, the way you treat people is still real. The relationships you build between individuals is still real. And she treats that with respect, right? You can tell. There's a scene this week with... Sizemore, where Sizemore is basically like, basically panning everything that's going on and saying that oh it's just scripted and all this type of stuff, and Maeve kind of turns around and says to him like you know just shut up right? It's not like we know that it's scripted, but it doesn't necessarily mean just because it's 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 scripted doesn't necessarily mean that it's unreal either right? Um, so it's it's kind of this idea that even though the hosts are living in stories, it doesn't necessarily change the reality of the host's existence um, and the way they interact within those stories, the way pe- they treat other hosts and they interrelate, inter- I guess, right? While I, I kind of feel like the contrast with Dolores is that she has fallen very hard on the side of, well, you know, none of this really matters. The only thing that matters is this sort of messianic crusade where we're going to execute some sort of crazy kill the humans plan, right? So all of this stuff that's happened in Westworld, all of this stuff that's happened with Teddy, all of this like running away and finding a better life type of stuff, forget about it, right? All of that stuff like is unimportant, whether it's real or not is, is not, I guess she doesn't really even care. It's just unimportant. And, sort of gets in the way of that sort of greater goal. And I think, you know, for me, that's really the only interesting part of Dolores this week, that it sets up that contrast.
2: Um. Is it just me, or or was Teddy unusually stupid this episode, in the sense that he knows now that this is a theme park, and he knows that the cavalry are coming, but he nonetheless proposes to Dolores that they find a place somewhere in the theme park and live out the rest of their days?
1: Yeah, Teddy's a dummy.
2: Yeah, Teddy's definitely a dummy. He's
0: he's a good looking guy, but <laughs> he's he's a trophy catch for sure. <laughs>
3: well, I I like it thinking about it though, in some ways, isn't that what Maeve is proposing to do? Um as well. You know, once she finds her daughter, what's the plan exactly. from that point on onwards? So Surely it's it's nothing different to what Teddy's is proposing, which is, you know what, we know the truth, we know the reality, uh, but does that matter in terms of our relationship with one another and what we want for our own future? And Dol- Dolores's view on that as well. Um, no, because you're all, you're all we're all pawns in their game, uh, and we need to actually take that world back for ourselves, which is the revolutionary cause. Um, and she decides that the path to that is a path of righteousness, not a path of compassion, mm. um, which is slowly the path that Maeve seems to be going on, based on, you know, for example, her interaction with Akane and and the empathy she shows um, for Akane and her love for Sakura and their relationship. So I don't know. I think um, Teddy's um, question or offer to Dolores just kind of cements the difference between the path that Maeve has chosen and the path that Dolores has chosen and Dolores' views about that as being, well, that's that's clearly not the right path for us.
0: Mm. So, I, I would actually... so part, Look, I agree with you in the sense that um, Maeve's outcome is probably similar to Teddy's in some ways, like emotionally anyway. It's, it's really you know, this world isn't really that great. Let's just run away, right? And I think Maeve's outcome is kind of like that. But I feel like Maeve is less naive than Teddy, right? I kind of feel like Maeve has an end plan. Like, the sense that I've been getting all season is really, Maeve's game is that she's going to find her daughter, and then everybody's going to get on the train and escape and they're going mm. to pretend to be humans in the real world, mm. right? And mm. no one's going to know, basically, right? That's the sense yeah. that I've got with Maeve, right? Like For her, she does like... I get the feeling with Teddy that sometimes he's still kind of playing that role, where when, they, when he says they run away, it's kind of like... You know how they've got all those places that um, f- sort of form like, sort of cornerstone goals for the hosts, right? Places like Glory Mm. or um, the Snow Lake or whatever it was that Sakura had this week, right? Mm. And Mm. I kind of feel like with Teddy, he's still talking about that sort of, well, let's run away to... It's not Glory, but he's got his own version of Glory, right? While with Maeve, she's like, I know that Glory doesn't exist let's get out of here, but let's really get out of here, right? Let's get out of mm. here into the real world. I'm aware there's a real world, you know, like that's my end game there, right? And once I've got it out of there, I'll have a new identity and I'll just, well, figure it out out there, right? Um, so I think there is a difference between them. Teddy does come across as, I don't know, for me, Teddy comes across as massively naive. Like, you can read that double cross from, like, miles away. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, yeah. The very first episode of the show, I think at one point Teddy takes Dolores off somewhere as they go riding and you know, promises that he'll he'll whisk her away from Sweetwater someday and they'll set up their life together somewhere remote and distant. And when he says that something similar to this episode, it's almost as if he's still stuck in his story despite having been told the truth about what he is and what Westworld is. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so look maybe maybe that's what really prompted Dolores to say, "Okay, well, we are going to change you, we are going to amp up the cruelty, we're going to amp up the ruthlessness, we're going to amp up all the aspects of your character that otherwise make you a bleeding heart um, uh, and so in order to sort of i don't know jolt him out of the fact that he's still stuck in his story
0: mm. i mean that that's mm. a that's a good segue jerry jerry so i mean let's talk about where what we actually think has happened to teddy and let's talk about where we think like this this all is going right um I, like I, I don't know like do you do you think that all she's done is to jack up his like gun skills and his cruelty and that sort of thing or do you think that she's just turned him into a zombie because you can you you can tell is it this episode It's this episode, right? When they show Clementine and she's clearly just malfunctioning, right? Like she's, you know, she's twitching and she doesn't really know what's kind of going on, right? And Dolores has surrounded herself with followers that are kind of like this, right? Clementine isn't the only one, right? Angela seems to be the only, like, sentient host, really, that she surrounds herself with. Everybody else is like this sort of faceless zombie style thing. So do we really think, like, my sense was that she was basically just going to tell, turn Teddy into a zombie.
1: She's turned up all his abilities, and if he survives a change that drastic, then he will be like a crueler version of Maeve, um, in that he will have these amazing, like, he'll have super intelligence, super everything, and super cruelty. If he doesn't survive it, then he'll be a zombie.
0: But, but is, is that actually what she did? I don't think she did that.
1: Uh, if if you pause it, she's turned up everything. She's turned up cruelty. She's turned up perception. That's what made that's what made Maeve um, super super really super smart. Um, turned up aggression, turned up loyalty. So
0: Is that what happened? Because um, I paused it on that screen. I thought so. Because when I when I paused it on the screen, I saw that like they've got this aggression. thing thing that pops up that says overriding Teddy, Theodore, whatever it is, heuristics. So I thought she was overriding his personality. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I...
1: why would this dude say he's he he might not survive a change this drastic if what she was trying to do is turn him into a zombie? Like, that's that's not even surviving. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we'll we'll find out. <laughs>
0: okay. Interesting. Interesting. So you guys read it as that they were just amping up his statistics essentially to make him yeah. like a stronger, better dude. I did. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, well then, I mean, given that that's happened, where do we think all of this is kind of going? Because we know that um, Carl Strand in, like, they're in the cradle now, they're in the command center, and a third of the hosts, like, I wonder if that's significant, right? Like, I mean, it must be significant, but a third of the hosts are just... Nothing, right? They're just blank slates all together. Where do we think this whole Trojan horse game is is going? Does anybody have any theories or ideas?
1: So, um, what is the cradle? Is it just the command centre?
2: Yes. What is the cradle? I think that's, that's the Mesa, right? That's where the train heads as well do we know what because i'm just interested
1: this thing is called the cradle yeah and in the in the in the beginning credits you know how we see a baby like a host baby like why do we see a host baby why would they ever be creating a host baby i just wonder cuz you know how um in i can't remember what the movie that we Uh, That movie where you know what makes a robot human is the ability to reproduce. Oh, um, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner.
3: Runner.
1: Which is something that doesn't a concept that does not make sense to me. Like why that would make them any more real or less real. But I just wonder if it's heading somewhere to like an idea of host reproduction without without the need for humans to create them.
0: Hmm.
3: Hmm. Why is it called The Cradle? Yeah. I always thought that was where they created new hosts. But that's an interesting idea about reproduction.
0: Hmm. Do we think maybe... like So, Teddy. I think Teddy is the most interesting, right? Because you see Teddy front and centre amongst those bodies, right? And, you know, the guy comes and says, Hey, you know, like, a lot of these bodies are like virgin bodies. There's literally nothing being written on them. They're just blank. Mm. So why do we think Teddy is there? Is that actually Teddy? Or do they just create a new like, body of Teddy to dump there?
1: There's no <laughs> way it's not a trap, though. I feel like it's got to be a trap. Because their minds have been wiped so that the humans can't figure out what, was going, what the plan is, isn't it? Isn't that why their minds are... Isn't that why
3: their brains have been taken out? And remember as well, Carl Strands uh, makes that point, does that also mean that they've lost, you know, a third of their IP? And also at that point in the story, which is meant to be the present day or the future, they still don't have Aber- Abernathy. So he's mm-hmm. also missing in the park as well. And so that mm-hmm. that's a huge piece of piece of IP that they're still trying to to f- lock down.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that, that... Um, yeah that that comment about uh, we've lost a third of our ip is really kind of interesting and odd for me because i would have thought that their ip is the host technology but the fact that he says that you know if you lose the brains of a third of the hosts that he's losing ip maybe the ips are the individual personalities of those hosts as well that the individual <laughs> personalities have value
1: Plus, yeah. the hosts might be logging the human experience. You know how they're collecting human DNA and oh, logging everything yes, yes, yes. the humans are doing? So yes. that could be in
0: the hosts. Yes, mm. yes. Mm. Yeah, because it's an interesting comment. Um, I think we've covered pretty much most of the topics we really wanted to talk about this week. Um, is there any anything else, um, Major, that we've kind of missed? Anager, Jerry, Max? I mean, there's,
1: there's, there's Bernard. He's still standing around looking... <laughs> <laughs> Looking like you know, he's got no idea what's going on, but surely he's going to be a big part of unlocking this plan like he's going to open the door to the Trojan horse so it's surely like he's a big part of it and he must be that's all I can guess
0: what if oh, Abernathy what? is the key to the Trojan horse as mm. in they know that they want to get Abernathy right? And they're going to do everything to get Abernathy. Maybe what... I don't know. I'm just theorizing here, right? But what if, like, them getting Abernathy and unlocking his mind is what sets off the trap,
2: right? (laughs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. just another dumb theory, I guess. Jerry? Well, all I've got to say is, right now, Bernard looks so clueless. He's almost an audience surrogate. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
1: but guys, I have seen the trailer for next episode, and I think it's going to be really good.
3: Okay.
0: <laughs> Look, I think... All like, I... No go, Mags.
3: Oh, I was just going to say, what I can't wait to see is what happens next with a man in black and his daughter. Because that was a bit of a cliffhanger, too.
2: Yes. This yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you guys make of the idea that, uh, at least this season, cliffhangers aren't resolved until a fortnight later, because we spend the next episode dealing with completely different stories.
0: I'm okay with that, Jerry. Like, I I kind of feel like they do these cliffhangers, but they kind of resolve them pretty quickly. Like, when they get onto them, it's not this... It's not this crazy slow burn after they get onto them. They just get resolved, right? It's not, like, typically the... Like, stuff like this doesn't really last... Beyond two two episodes, right? And I, I mean, I said this last week, but you know, like the Delos thing was set up, and then it basically instantly got resolved. So um, I, I feel confident that like they're going about sort of cleaning cleaning house.
2: Yeah, but they're just going about it in a in a in a way that I don't think we've seen too often in, in TV shows where you have parallel stories and you have one episode focus on some, and then the next episode focused on others, and then you return to the first lot in the, in the episode succeeding that. It just seems structurally um, new. I'm not saying it's innovative or clever. I'm just saying it's not something you've usually seen in a television disjointed? show before. Disjointed? Uh, yeah, it does. It, it, feels, it doesn't feel disjointed. It feels as if they're sort of stretching things out because they may not have enough story for ten full episodes.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I gotta say, I look. I mean, I, I haven't really felt that that badly because each each episode has still been quite engaging for me. Like, I think we all admit that this is this episode was kind of a weird episode, right? Visually stunning, but from a sort of sort of meat and potatoes perspective, a little bit lacking, right? Um, but I don't know. I still found it really engaging. I, I think like there are some shows that I've seen where it's really apparent that they're stringing stuff out. I I don't know if you watch the Netflix Marvel shows, but those shows, like, Mm. there's many episodes in there. Like, there's a whole centre part of those seasons where you just feel like, I actually don't really need this. I need the beginning and the end, and that's it. This could have been done in, like, seven
2: episodes. The middle middle four or five episodes of, of the first season of Jessica Jones were just treading water. Yeah, I would argue that the,
0: like the second season of Je- Jessica Jones is a lot of that is like that as well, right? But it's I, 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 I don't really have that sense with Westworld just yet. I kind of feel like that the indiv- individual episodes are still kind of well made enough that and engaging enough throughout that I'm, I'm not thinking, oh, this is this is a bit boring. I
1: just don't want them to keep adding new characters because, to be honest, I'm not that interested in the man in Black's daughter, and I'm not that interested in um, Akane. And, like, like, they're kind of interesting, but not really. I want to know what's happening with the characters I've grown to love and I'm actually invested in, and I want I want more to happen with them. I just don't want these detours to, with
2: complete yeah. strangers. These people are kind of like the, the people from the back of the plane in Season 2 of Lost, <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah. 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 Um.
3: Well, I don't think they have. Uh, so they've got five more episodes left, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they've got a, they've got to be yeah. marching towards some kind yeah. of resolution at this from this point onwards, or else you know, lots yeah. of audience members are going to be pretty dissatisfied.
0: So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I think. We've pretty much covered everything that we really wanted to cover today. Um, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, as usual, for your thoughts. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess we'll be here next week again for the next episode of Westworld. Um, yeah, so, it's going to be good. Yeah. It, it will be good. <laughs> it will be good. It better be.
2: <laughs>
0: okay. Thanks, everybody. All right.